0: Hello, Salons loose fans. My name is Melissa and my co-host is Leslie. We decided we wanted to share our salon stories. We both have an interest in crime stories and a fascination with the psychic world. So settle in each week as we share another story with you. Who knows, you might even learn something.
1: Hi, and thank you for joining us today. We have a special guest named Jeanette Lucas. She is a speaker, a dowser, a professional psychic who works on missing persons and missing objects. She has a website, it is reachjanette.com. She also has an email, reachgenette at gmail.com. She has helped on many missing persons cases, but some that you might recognize would be the Chandra Levy, Casey Anthony, Holly Bobo, and Pamela Butler. Today we will be discussing on this particular episode, Chandra Levy. Jeanette Lucas has brought two guests with her today, Cameron and Keith. They do have some interesting stories that they'd like to share with us. Also, this entire interview was close to two hours long. If you'd like to hear a slightly edited version of that, you can do that on Patreon. Also, some of the content can be a little bit more for adults. So if you have little ones around, I suggest waiting until they're not with you. I hope you enjoy. Today we're with Jeanette Lucas. I met her through LinkedIn. She is a psychic medium. Is Are you a medium?
2: I'm a forensic, psychic, and dowser, and I'm, I'm a trans medium. I don't promote that, but I'm a trans medium.
1: So let me have you introduce yourself. We've had a few conversations online. We've been texting throughout, I don't know, the last month or two. Um, I find you fascinating. Of course, I love anybody in this kind of realm, um, but I especially um, connected with you because um, a couple of missing cases I brought to you, and also... I had a missing watch, so I wanted to test you by using this watch, which I found, by the way, because of where you told me I did, and I found it, which by the way, the watch that I normally use broke and I needed it. So um, anyway, that's how I met you, and I would love for you to introduce yourself, tell us who you are, what you do, and then introduce your your guest with us today.
2: Sure. All right, so basically um, I started doing a little bit of dowsing work at age seven because my father was working for the military, and using dowsing, and the uh, CIA, the FBI, and different uh, agencies, federal agencies, because we we're about 10 minutes from D.C. We lived about 10 minutes from D.C.
0: So, Jeanette, um, I didn't know what dowsing was, and I was reading your website, so it would probably be good for our listeners. Maybe other people don't really understand what that meant. So, sure.
2: So, um, Although I have different psychic abilities, I have almost all of them. Um, Dowsing is a pendulum from, you, like a lot of women will use a string to a penny and try to check on people's bellies to see if it's a yes or no. But instead of yes or no, for a boy, it's one way. For a girl, it's another way. So that's an example a lot of women can connect with. For men, uh, most of the time they use what's called an L-rod or a witch. It's called a witching stick or a water witcher. And you use this stick and you go out and try to find water wells or what water for the well. And that's that's a very traditional method. So it's, it's pretty cool. So I thought outside the box and basically I thought, well, if I'm gonna do missing persons, I'm gonna do what's called remote dowsing or remote viewing. And I'm gonna add all my talents together. And I became a forensic psychic. And I find missing people and I found like about 27 missing people so far. And I've probably done about a hundred cases. The reason I'm sort of world famous about my work is that I did the Chandra Levy case, which I've, I've invited one of my clients on with us today, today to actually go uh, public on the fact that I did the Chandra Levy case. Um, and then I also, that's a very high profile case. I also did the Holly Bobo case and was quite accurate. And I also did the, um, Casey Anthony case where her toddler was missing we now have Cameron calling in so let's do this Keith if you're okay let's let's hear from Cameron um the 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 subject matter on on what we're talking about today is true crime so Keith is going to cover true crime and Cameron my my assistant who who does work um she um had a missing object and she had a um her her brother lost his key to get into his computer and she'll explain that so basically, my background is more high-profile because I do such unusual work because of my near-death experiences, and and I I do so much of it. Um, my accuracy rate is really high up there. So let's bring Cameron in, and she can disclose what she if, Keith. If you could stand by, because Cameron's going to get on. And sure, and absolutely. Then, because Keith has got a plethora of information that's really fun and helps a lot with people understanding about a true crime psychic. Um so there's Cameron and, and um she works for me periodically but um she also got had had uh, gotten readings and um then when things go wrong sometimes she'll call me about romance or she'll call me about this or she'll call me about that and ask for friends she had a question. So go ahead, there's Cameron.
3: Hi. Um so I'm Cameron. Um I'm a college student from Virginia and I do assistant work for Jeanette occasionally, Um, but I guess I'll just jump right into it. Um, Originally, when I first met her, I really, I guess, I didn't believe or not believe in like the paranormal and psychics, you know, kind of thing, but I, based off what she's told me over the years, I've been going to her for about five years now, it's hard to discredit anything she says because everything she says especially in my life is so accurate I had lost my car keys I woke up and I had to go run some errands and I couldn't find them and I was retracing my steps and I was like you know what I can't I've looked all over this house I cannot find it so I'm actually in South Carolina right now and she's in Virginia but I called her really quick and she picked up and I told her what was happening. I like misplaced my keys and within a minute, she was like, Oh, it has something to do with a vehicle. Like go check your car. Like they might still be in your car. And so I went out there and I was like, no, my car's locked. Like, it's not that. And she's like, okay. Well, it's something to do with a vehicle. Like it's around like metal. I see a bunch of metal. And sure enough, I called my boyfriend and he had my keys in the bed of his truck. So she did that within like five minutes, not even. Actually, the night prior, I had come back from getting food and I just like set all the stuff down, I guess like my keys and my phone. And I, It was dark and I forgot to pick them back up, so. Good job, Danette. She seems
0: like the best friend we all need, right?
3: Yeah.
1: when <laughs> She texts me, I'm like, you're like an old friend. Like, it just, we just pick up from wherever
3: and it's pretty cool. So, let's start like from the beginning. How did you meet her? Um, I actually am um, her, her oldest daughter's friend. They kind of were keeping it like a secret just because her daughter didn't know if I believed or not, and so growing up she never really brought it up because she didn't want to like, I guess, freak me out kind of thing. And I ended up hearing something about it one time, and I we were sitting at dinner, and I think I was a senior in high school at this point, and I asked Janae blank. I asked what she did for a living. And she was like, oh, just like, um, like private investigator stuff, like just trying to like nonchalantly, like, you know, let it roll off her shoulders kind of thing. And I was like, oh, I was like, that's kind of funny. I was like, because you have like a ton of psychic books on your bookshelf. <laughs> and she was like, she kind of like looked at her husband and at um, my best friend, Anna, and she was like, well, like we gotta tell her now, Like <laughs> she knows.
0: <laughs> Jeanette, does your daughter have any abilities?
3: It's throughout the
2: entire family. Yeah, It is. Lucky. Yeah. Now, they, um, now I will tell you my kids do not like the ghost investigation type work because we are in Richmond, Virginia and our area has cemeteries and ghost soldiers will come to our house and they will walk across our wood floor in the kitchen And Cameron, I'm sure will attest to it. And they make, you can hear the boots. And you can hear these guys walking across the kitchen floor. And we've actually taken photographs and it's a big,
3: huge puff of white, like looking smoke or fog. Cameron, did you ever hear the ghosts when you were here? That one time I was actually at their house and I was by myself, I was waiting for my friend to get home. And um, I was sitting in a living room, like kitchen area where it's open and I heard a creepy woman's voice coming from the master bedroom and it was behind me and I was there by myself and I was very like shocked I didn't say anything I just kind of stood up and I went and I like faced the master bedroom and I put my back up against the wall and I was like peering the whole room I was like what was that I was freaked out and that was the first time I Ever they had told me about you know seeing the soldier and all that, but and hearing him at night. And my best friend still I know to this day hears boots walking in the hallway occasionally, but I, that was the first time I ever witnessed anything like paranormal, like a ghost kind of thing, and it it freaked me out. So I can also agree that the ghost paranormal side of things are not my favorite aspect, but. You know, it is what it is. Are there any other times that Jeanette has helped you that you can share with us? Um, yeah, so something really in particular about her finding is, this is another one about her finding and, and kind of an object, more recovering something. But when I was a freshman in college, my brother, he's only a couple years older than me, he actually had made an account through like Xbox Live, um, so many years prior while he was in high school and he couldn't get into it it kept charging him and so he couldn't get into his account and like to cancel the card that was on the account or whatever and so his security question was what is your favorite fictional character well he made this six years prior so he didn't he couldn't remember what it was and he said he didn't believe in Jeanette at all I'd talked to him about her and her abilities, and at that point, I was already a believer, so I was talking to him about it, and he said, well, you know, if she, she's really is capable of doing what you say she can do, then see if, like, ask her if she has the time to recover this security question, so I, I was already, I had already texted her at that point, but he didn't know that, Um, but I ended up calling her after I left, and I called her, and within, she was like, okay, like, I'm in the middle of you know a reading with somebody else so let me like figure it out and then i'll call you back in a few hours she called me back in a few hours and she told me that she kept seeing the color red and that she kept seeing like a cartoon of some sort so she did her research and she ended up like cross-checking that it was the incredibles so Then I ended up going over to her house to, you know, see my friend or whatever. And at that point she was like, it's the Incredibles, like call him right now. And so I called him and he was with all of his college roommates and, you know, they had heard about her too, but they still didn't believe. And so he put me on speaker and I was like, is it the Incredibles? And he was speechless. Like, he was like, oh my goodness, like, there's no way, like, how, how did she get that? Like. He was like, there's no way. And I was like, no, like there is a way. Now you have to believe like she just figured out your passcode so or your security question. So he ended up getting in and he canceled, you know, the card and all that. But he to this day is still like shocked. That's really cool. I mean, really, what are the chances that she would have
1: out of everything, like figured that out? So that's pretty amazing, Jeanette. Good job.
3: Thank you. What yep. else do you great. want to share with us today? I can get into my my love life. Let's hear it. In high school, I didn't date much. And so when I was in college, I was like, you know, trying to figure out the whole like boy scene kind of thing and figure it all out. And I ended up talking, confiding in Jeanette one time and I was crying and I was like, I'm never going to get a boyfriend. Like nobody's going to ever like want to date me kind of thing. Like, I don't know what I'm doing wrong. And so she gave me a reading and she told me that in March of what was that? It? it was 2017 that I was going to meet a guy um, at my place of work, which was the minor league baseball stadium in Richmond, and we call it the Diamond. Um, so I was going to meet a guy at the Diamond. Um, <clears throat> name was going to be Kyle, and he drives a truck, and his birthday is in March. And so, it's a little specific. (laughs) she got very specific. Yeah, Yeah, but I ended up meeting a guy. Or she told me that maybe I'm maybe I'm remembering that part wrong. But she told me that pretty much it was like right before I got into college. So it was August of 2016, and I had already met a guy the prior like year in, in where I worked, like at the diamond. And his name was Kyle. His birthday was in March. And he drove a truck, too. And I had met him where I worked. And so I was like, but it's him. Like, it has to be him. Like, maybe he just comes back, like, the following season. And, like, we meet again, kind of thing, whatever. And so she was like, I don't know. Like, we'll see. Like, just wait for it. That's her famous saying to me is, wait for it. And because I'm not a very patient person. But um, I, you know, I waited. And I uh, was preparing for the following minor league baseball season. And um, I ended up meeting... This intern there and his name was Kyle. He drove a truck. His birthday was in March. And it was just crazy. And he was uh, he was from Michigan, so it's kinda like we weren't gonna meet otherwise if he hadn't taken this internship in Richmond. Um, but that was probably the craziest thing for me, because that's when that's when things like really started to get real for me, I guess. That I so was when like, you said, like, my name's Kyle.
1: Were you like, when's your birthday? Did you ask him other those or you just
3: kind of let it unfold on its own? I surprisingly let it unfold on its own because, you know, I'm not a patient person. I can admit that. But I was like, okay, like he was also an intern for my boss. So I was like, nah, like it can't be him. And the guy from the season before ended up coming back. So I was like, oh, it's definitely that one. It's that one. Like, there's no doubt about it. And so, because we had like, you know, gotten to know each other a little bit. So I was like, it's him, like we're just meeting again kind of thing. Like that's all that is. So I kinda like brushed the other guy off. I was like, oh, okay, hey Kyle, like nice to meet you kind of thing. And I just kept on going and trying to like focus on this other guy. And then he ended up the intern who was my first boyfriend, he ended up asking me out. And then that's kinda when I, you know, discovered all those things that he drove a truck and his birthday was in March kind of thing. So that was that was the realest moment for me, I think. That's when I was like, there's no doubt that yeah. she is the real deal. That's a lot of very specific things. Yeah. And, and Cameron, how old are you? I'm, I will be 22 tomorrow.
0: OK, because my daughter is going to be 20 in September. And she is exactly what you were saying, where she's just dying to have a boyfriend and you know with this whole covid thing she would had to come home early from her freshman year and she's like no i had all these friends and now she's going back and you know it's all going to be online she's living in a house with six girls she's like how am i going to meet any boys like i totally want a boyfriend and so i can, than I, I can relate to what you're saying about um girls and wanting to know when they're going to have their what you look for their first their first boyfriend
3: Yeah, that's how I was. Are you you still still with Kyle? No, I am not. (laughs) You know, she gave you the name of who you will marry? No, she did not because... It would be better not to know that, like, right? Well, for the way that it's been explained to me is that there's some people, this is what she says, and Jeanette, correct me if I'm wrong, but there's some people that have a straightforward path, like this is what they're going to do you know, they're going to marry this person. They're going to get this job. They're going to live in this city. You know, this is how it's going to happen. This is how many kids they're going to have. But for me, um, she explained it to me as like, I have five guys to choose from over the course of my twenties. Okay. So I'm currently dating a guy now, and we've been together for almost four months. And She's like, yeah, like, he's one of your five guys. Like, if you want to marry him now, like, you can do that. But if you don't, you know, don't worry. Like, there's still going to be four other guys, you know, kind of thing. She she said that if I say no to the first one when he proposes, then I'm going to at least get two other proposals most likely. That it just just
1: (laughs) – Jeanette, help her. When should she say yes? (laughs) What's the right man? Well, then, you are know, they all going to be good? Like, yes. are only good choices?
2: Some of us get choices, lots of choices, and then other people, it's almost like it falls into a peg, boom, you're done. And so, Cameron didn't fall in that category, so that's how it works.
0: Thank okay, you, Karen. Cameron, then, thank you, and good luck with all your boys. Yes. I didn't <laughs> have that many choices. I'm a little jealous.
3: Yes. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. It was nice to meet Bye. you guys. Nice to meet
0: you.
4: So, Keith, you're on. Tell us your background. I was born and raised in a small town in Kentucky and moved um, out of prostration to Washington, D.C., and spent 35 incredible years in Washington, D.C., at which time I've been in the presence of two popes. And I have been blessed to have been given awards by Chief Ramsey of the Metropolitan Police Department and uh, two commanders for my public advocacy and my work in the community. I've always had a a big heart for people who lose family members to homicide. Um, it would be nothing for me to get in my car and drive to someone's house that I had never laid eyes on, never knew, and introduce myself and and have um, a mother cry on my shoulders for an hour uh, over her son that had been gunned down in the streets of District of Columbia. Um, I I have that in me because my father was beaten and robbed and left for dead a number of years ago and lived 15 years with a traumatic brain injury that he should never have survived from. So I have that in me because my father's um, people who literally killed him were never found. They were never sentenced. They were never um, prosecuted because he could not identify them with the brain injury. And so my heart goes out to people who have missing family members and um, the unknown in in your life can make you crazy. Um, So mothers that have lost sons and and family members to homicides has always been something that just, um, it just broke my heart to, to see people suffer. I will say this, Jeanette is an extremely God gifted individual. I think Jeanette is more gifted than she is even aware. And I have told her that time and time again. Um, I say that because of some of the things that she, she has told me in my life and in other people's lives that has materialized in a way that was most unsuspecting. Um, if you know what I mean from that, it would, would happen. And then you reflect back and say, oh, my God, Jeanette told me this. Uh, As you heard earlier, my throat was slit Um, an injury that 79% of the people who suffer such an injury do not survive. They bleed to death. Um, I lived in a half a million dollar house in Northwest Washington DC. The last thing I ever expected was was to stagger out the front door bleeding from my neck and to have police officers respond that had known me for 20 years and ambulance drivers, you know, throw me in the back of an ambulance and go speeding down Georgia Avenue um, to a hospital that I did not want to go to because I did not want to go to Howard University Hospital. Um, I wanted to go to Washington Hospital Center, who I, I, I knew a president. I knew a lot of people there. And the hospital wouldn't take um, a trauma patient, so they sent me to Howard. And um, Howard saved my life. God bless him. I had excellent care. But it goes back to a long history of personal readings with Jeanette and things that she has told me in my personal life that would materialize and, and occur. And there've been times when I would say, Jeanette, you're crazy. Jeanette, you're on something. What are you smoking? Give me some of it. Or we'd laugh because it would just be things that I would never think would ever occur.
1: Can you tell us a little bit more about your accident, not the accident, the thing that had happened to you? Can you explain that? Like, um, because I know it ties into Jeanette, are you willing to share that on the show? Yeah. Or, well,
0: and maybe just like the lead up, because you said that she told you that about 20 years earlier. So let's see a little get bit, get bit more back more there.
4: Yes. Perfect. One of the, one of the readings that Jeanette gave me, um, she just popped out of nowhere and said, Oh, by the way, you're going to be shot or stabbed in your house. And I said, Oh yeah, right. You know, I don't own a gun. I, I, I don't condone guns in, in, you know, your residence, although I believe it's your right to own one. I just had never been a firearm person. So I said, Jeanette, come on, you know, who's going to shoot me in my house? I don't have that kind of, you know, people coming in my house. And I laughed at it. And she goes, well, I'm just telling you, you know, somebody's going to shoot you or stab you. It's serious, but you'll be fine. And it really just kind of dropped out of my memory in a way. But in the back of my mind, it was still there. I, I very much recall her saying that to me and um unfortunately just a few days before the inaugural um, i fixed dinner i was taking care of a young man that had lived with me 11 years and had suffered a traumatic brain injury um, a very serious traumatic brain injury to the frontal lobe uh, section of his brain which is the uh, executive function part of your brain Uh, it's your memory and um It, it controls a lot of our daily activities that we don't really think about. It was um, very much like teaching a child because um, he just had no memory. Um, it, it was just gone from the from the uh, organic brain injury. I was so interested in CNN and how badly they were beating up on Trump and all the things that were being said. And so I laid down in a sunroom on the back of my house off of my dining room uh, going into um, the hallway off of my kitchen and was watching CNN. Well, I dozed off, which is very unusual for me to ever do that during the day because you kind of let your guard down when you doze off. And um, I was awakened um, with Louis standing over me with a chef's knife and uh, realized I was bleeding and bleeding badly. I wrestled Louis. Louis weighed about 260 pounds and was much stronger than I am. I wrestled him over and demanded that he drop the knife. He dropped the knife and I kicked it back under the sofa where he could not get to it again. And um, I raised up and he went into the living room and lit a cigarette and I went into the kitchen and got a paper towel and put to my throat and um, realized that I was losing a lot of blood. I had my cell phone with me, I dialed 911. The operator came on and she said, what's your emergency? And I said, I need an ambulance. I need an ambulance now. And she said, what is the problem? And I said, I'm bleeding. My throat has been slit. And she said, um, sir, I have an ambulance and the police on the way. She said, do not hang up the phone. Stay with me. And she goes, are you losing consciousness? And I said, I, I, I feel like I may, because I'm losing so much blood, I may pass out. And she said, unlock your door. So I go to my foyer, I unlock my front door and open it and uh, could hear a siren. And she said, that's the ambulance. And I said, ma'am, you you don't realize who you're talking to, but I know that is not an ambulance. You cannot dispatch an ambulance until the scene is secured. I sent my cousin a text and said, "I, I don't know if I'm going to survive this or not, but tell my mother and your aunt that I love them dearly. And that was it. There were three doctors waiting and the head of ER was standing in the hallway waiting. And he said, this is Alpha One, why didn't you all call this in? And he was kind of screaming at him. And the ambulance driver said, we didn't have time, we didn't have time. Uh, radiology came in and he said, Mr. Gerald, he said, I will tell you a miracle has happened today. And I said, what is that? And he said, you have no arterial damage. And he said, we'll suture you up and you're going to be fine. And he said, do you know how lucky you are and I said, I've, I'm, I'm not lucky. I said, God has taken care of me. I have to tell you that I'm on this earth and alive and doing well today because my advocacy for Louie uh, in the courts and um, in the hospitals and in the city in the District of Columbia has been nonstop. Had I perished, he would not have an advocate to fight for him. And I truly believe that's why my life was spared.
0: Uh, did you ever... Harken back to that time when Jeanette had told you that this was going to happen? Did you have some sense of peace? Like, hey, I'm not going to die. Or did that not even cross your mind at any
4: point? No, it's weird because while I was waiting on the police car and the ambulances to get there, I had a flashback to that day that Jeanette told me that I would be stabbed or shot in my home. And, you know, I was very comfortable. Um, I'm, I'm... I believe in God and I believe in destiny and I really felt like that I was going to live through this based on two things in my faith that my life wasn't ready to end, but also in the fact that Jeanette had told me I'd be all right. Mm -hmm. And, um, I still, to this day, think that she hit it head on, you know, she really hit the nail on the head and she, she called it, um, it it was amazing to reflect back about that. And I think she had even told me, she told me that, but I reminded her, I said, you know, Jeanette, you told me that I would have had a serious injury in my house. And I said, look at this, my throat has been slit. So I I talked to Jeanette uh, very strongly Uh, to this day. I I believe that she, she had that vision. She shared that vision with me in a very accurate manner. And um, it was a source of comfort, frankly, I was planning. um, candlelight vigil for um, a girl who had been murdered a block from my house on capitol hill and this this was a brutal murder um literally her basement apartment was covered in blood um she was savagely murdered and there was no sight of closure and my heart was broken because this girl was a dancer downtown in one of the strip clubs and I kept saying, it doesn't matter what she did in life. It's still alive. She was someone's daughter. She was someone's cousin. She was someone's aunt. You know, she she had people who loved her. So I, I planned this large candlelight vigil. And in D.C., if you get 25 people for a candlelight vigil, you're lucky. Um, this particular night, this particular day, I was uh, looking at details, and I had gotten calls from all four TV channels in DC saying we're gonna cover this, which is unheard of. And all of a sudden my phone rings and um, it's an assistant chief of police. And he says, "Um, Keith or Mr. Gerald, the chief is coming tonight. And I was like, oh my God, are you serious? And he's like, no, he's, he's really, really wanting closure in this case and he wants to attend. And I said, that's fine. So while I was in my car driving, Jeanette calls. And she goes, what are you doing? And I said, well, I'm trying to, you know, finish some details for a candlelight vigil. She says, oh, oh, I know something. I know something. And I said, okay. And she said, this Chandra Levy. Have they found her yet? And I said, no. And she said, do you know the chief? And I said, in fact, the chief is coming tonight. And she said, tell him Chandra's body is located off the beaten trail in Rock Creek Park. In a, a heavy thicket area that has been underwater in a ravine from time to time. And there's only bones, but if they look hard enough, they will find her. And I said, Jeanette, are you certain? She said, absolutely. She said, tell him that. And uh, when it was over, I said, um, Chief Ramsey, could I speak to you privately a moment? And he said, yes, sir. And he said, do you mind if, if Chief Don comes with us? And I said, not a bit. I've assistant chief down for years. So they walk over to the, the cruiser and I said, you know, the Shonda Levy case I know is a burden on you. And I said, I have some information. So his ears kind of perked up and he said, what do you know? And I said, I have a friend that is a renowned psychic. And I said, Jeanette is very smart. And I said, you can take this very seriously. Shonda Levy's body is in Rock Creek Park. Uh, in a thicket with briars and in a ravine and it's been covered by water. Memorial Day weekend, literally, I was on the cemetery with my mother decorating graves. My cell phone rang. I looked at it and it was Marge and we were friends and she was a very powerful person. So I picked it up. I said, how are you Marge? And she said, oh my God, you're not going to believe this. And I said, what? And she said, he's got the troops in Rock Creek. They have just recovered bones from rock creek park and she said we believe it's shonda levy's there's there's forensics are now being done we found out a few days later that indeed it was shonda levy's uh, remains and the autopsy report showed nicks on her spine where she had been stabbed in the back
2: you know what i want to interject what was interesting when you had the fbi come out brad garrett is that i remember saying to him uh, it's not one police station it's it's near the Horse police station. I don't remember if you know that. Do you remember that?
4: Yes, I do. And I really, what Danette yeah. had continuously said to me was there's horses involved. Why can not the horses find her? There's like 14 police departments in Washington, D.C. And they basically patrol the parkway to assure that, you know, things are not being done in inside the park in the green space that shouldn't be done. Chief Ramsey had not called the mounted police uh, as part of the park police in on the investigation. They weren't involved. And I had met Brad Garrett, which was the number one cold case detective for the FBI. Mr. Garrett now is retired and he's rather famous. He's on TV all the time. Jeanette wanted to meet Brad. She wanted me to meet him first and bring him to her house. So Brad and I had a number of conversations and he said, yeah, I want to meet this lady. He said, I've heard her name. He said, but I've never had direct contact with her. And I drove up and met him and picked him up and we drove to Jeanette's house. And at the same time, Jeanette had arranged for um, a lady to put her under um, in a trance. Jeanette told us things in that trance that was dead on. I mean, um, she talked about being stabbed. She became Shonda Levy in this trance. So there was this whole thing that um, developed that at the time we didn't even know was developing in the way it was. Anytime you turn the TV on, you had to hear about Shonda Levy, missing Shandelevy. Uh, worked for a congressman. The congressman uh, swears he's innocent. I mean, it was, the headlines were just over and over and over because everyone thought they were having a relationship and that he had killed her. Well, as it turned out, he was proven innocent. And um, as it came to, to, to be proven, he did not kill her. She was killed by um, a South American man, a Mexican man or um, from another country down there, I found out that this man abducted her um, when she got out of that car and forced her into his old truck or his old car and drove into Rock Creek Park and dumped her over in, in the briars. Um, and if you've ever been to Rock Creek Park, the thickets can be, you know, 10 feet tall. You just don't walk into them. You can't.
2: I think he was kicked out of the country. You know, what was interesting too is I had told Jackie and maybe Brad Garrett and you. That he was a rapist and he was caught; that his DNA matched with other rapes. So yes. he obviously escalated when he got to Chandra. I yes. mean, for whatever reason, his brain went defunct. You know, he he, it, it just clicked, and he just now. It could be she was a fighter.
0: Yeah, you know. And Jeanette, I, in your opinion, they have the right guy. He's the right one. Correct.
4: I I, I suspect he's the one. Yeah. Often a police department um, has one real problem and it's a very simple word it's called they're overloaded on testosterone they think they have to be the person that solves it it has to be a department thing and if you try to tell them information they refuse to take it seriously um and i have found that more times than not that you have to you know almost beat them in the head with the information And you have to get a hold of somebody who believes in you enough to take that information and and at least look into it, because it's very hard. Uh, Many police departments, if you talk about a psychic detective, they just they can't understand it because they're trained methodically to investigate and to do work. So they really can't interject someone as smart as Jeanette is that's smarter than they are because of her abilities to see And to receive information and relay it to them they they don't take it seriously often enough
0: well and keith i I call it a superpower that she has a superpower that the rest of us don't have and i applaud i applaud you both because um you know we talk about missing persons cases and so many times um psychics actually don't want to get involved because it is sort of discrediting because Police don't mm-hmm. want to listen to them, and mm-hmm. um, so I, I really applaud you both for being an advocate for those missing persons. And we've seen this; we've ca- several covered several cases that um, because the person wa- didn't maybe have the best lifestyle, or like you said, she's a prostitute or on drugs, they don't um, come to the aid of the of the family. And um, so I, I hear all of your. Um, frustration, that. And, and I, too, believe that just because somebody, you know, has a harder lifestyle, it doesn't mean they're not a person, they don't deserve the time and the energy that it takes to look for them. And, you know, I know Sh- Shonda's case was not that, but um, I think it was, they got tunnel vision that it was the Congress. Yes. Yeah.
4: And they were frantic, they were frantic to solve Shonda case because it was international media. Yeah, got a lot a- of attention. Yeah. You because yeah. she came from money, she came from California, she was here served, you know working for a congressman and the congressman and she notably had a relationship of some sorts. It was big news and it you know big news in Washington of that sort travels all over the world because it's well quickly
2: what I want to say is that one of my near death experiences um, i mean I, I didn't even know I had died basically because it felt like seconds, you know. Um, but it felt like, I mean, i neither here nor there, but anyway, all I'm saying is when I went to heaven and I got introduced and I told them that I wanted to come back. A lot of people don't want to come back because it's so phenomenal. And I said, I want to go back. What do you want me to do? I'll do something for you. What do you want me to do? And they said, well, everybody has a mission here on earth. So Keith had his mission. They gave me a mission. They said, go locate missing persons, go help with true crime. They didn't use the word true crime. Um, they did say something very sweet. They said, um, we want you to bring our people home. And I think there must be some kind of blockage when you die that if you can't totally go home to heaven, um, that you're still pondering the earth. And I think Keith's mission is to be there for others. As I mentioned, everybody's on a mission. And some people always say, what's my mission in life? And I don't wanna say you're on a soul search to go find it, but some people do, which I think is good. I think Keith is the link to all these things in, in different categories and I'm the link to different things and we just, it's we're like playing a, a game of uh, pool, you know, shooting pool and I run into him and he runs into me and it's just, we, we it, it just, it's just it been a very good flow and I do think it's part of his mission. I mean, he's found his mission. I mean, I, I am now on a new mission along with doing the work I do is writing about it, my twin writes about some of the work and also some other fun work. And um, you just gotta find your mission. And so Keith is a great example of, you know, being on track.
0: Jeanette, I I have one silly question, Steve, you can help me. So I've had a couple different psychics um, talk about my dad who passed uh, probably a little over four years ago, maybe it's five now, I think it's four. Okay, but
2: who am I talking to? Oh,
0: you're talking to Melissa.
2: Okay, okay.
0: And, um, two different psychics have told me something about that my dad keeps talking about this smashed penny. And I have no clue what he's talking about. Yeah, I had a couple smashed pennies when I was a kid, but I just don't think that that's exactly. They just keep saying, "Well, it looks like a smash penny." Well, so I was with my mom, and she has a big keychain that were my dad's keys. And on there is a smash. It looks like a piece of copper. It wasn't a penny but it's like a little round piece of copper, the size of a penny. And it's got numbers on it and a key. Okay. And when I saw it, I went, mom, this is the <coughs> smash pop copper penny. Like what is this too? And she goes, most I have no idea. Mm-hmm. And I keep trying to like figure out what this is to or what it goes to. And I okay. have no clue, but I feel like he's trying to tell me something about this smash copper penny yeah and I have no idea what it means
2: okay so let's take the let's take it and tear it apart really quick this is how how quick I am on this and you can uh-huh. do the same thing all right you have smashed penny or smashed copper yes. all right that is also what I call the memory all right now the key factor is when did you do the smashed penny or copper do you recall how old you were
0: It's not the same thing on my mom's keys. If I did a smash penny, I was maybe 12.
2: Okay. So I bet 10 bucks that he's saying, I remember this memory when you were 12 and I'm recalling it because I want you to remember it. I want you to remember it. It's almost like, you know, like you're puking up information or a memory and it was a fond memory of his. And then he gave me a bunch of other information. Now, during that time frame when you were 12, did you live near townhouses or also a townhouse or a housing area where I see an open empty field? Did you play in this field a lot? Yeah. You're making me cry. Oh, I'm so sorry. Yeah. Okay. So he, this is what he's telling me. Okay. So, um, he is also talking about somebody else in the family and I got two or three names, which I was like, what? So one name, you're Melissa. What, Melissa, what's your last name? Okay, let's take that off the plate. He's giving me three names. I'm really good with names. People are like, how did you do that? Um, I literally pay attention, that's how I do it. Um, and he's talking about a woman, and I think her name is H. I'll go with the name, I don't, Helen, Hillary? Um, Helen. Who? Who's Helen? Do you know? My who? grandma. Okay, so he's with Helen, He's yeah so okay so we got Helen let's swoop her aside and they start talking about something that your dad is laughing about who is Bill Billy um if I'm wrong it's Bob Billy Bob who is that um there are
0: well my grand well Bill there's a lot of Bills I'm not sure what Bill they would be talking about
2: okay so who is BB so we'll tear it apart B B Billy Bob. Okay, so who is B B? So your 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 name sounds like a what's your, what's your maiden name? Okay, because I have screwed up ears, it sounds like Beck. And then all of a sudden, so I think B B is in the family of the. And all of a sudden, I'm going to. I don't know why I want to say this, but I is part of your family Russian or or Czech or, you know, something like that.
0: No, I don't think so. German and Scandinavian.
2: Okay. So let's go with German and man, you're, you're so complicated. We'll have to talk about this later, but for some reason, there's something going on with the family, probably Germany in the documents that is absolutely family historically interesting. Okay. Okay. But Also, um, I want, I'm hearing the words your dad saying they were cray cray over assertive. Just were they Nazis?
0: Oh, I don't know um
2: who's saying they're cray cray my dad your father oh <laughs> yeah my, my, my joke about cray cray is they're not really crazy they're just overly crazy I mean overly emphatic if they were psychiatric psychiatric I would say psychiatric do you know what I mean yeah. Or mental health but the Nazis were not cray cray they were but they were cray cray so they were not psychiatric they were driven people so for some reason that is really brought up and it has to do with the letter H what was Helen's last name? Do you well, know?
0: Well, so that was what I was gonna say. Is my grandma Helen, and that whole side is very German too, and Scandinavian. And my my mom's whole side of the family is cray cray. Okay. Like well, all of the women, there's four women in that family, and boy, It it was just intense family drama, yeah. crazy.
2: Yeah. I mean, my family's really hectic. That's why I was it took a long time to get married. I was like, what guys to going to want to marry a girl with my much, my baggage? Yes. I mean, you have to be a very strong person to marry a person like me. And, and I have three sisters and a twin. Oh, my gosh. You know, I mean, it's, it's like drama. But he used the word cray-cray. Then he talks about this field you played in. And um, the first thing I do, this is weird. I go over and I keep touching my face. Who was into baseball? Do you have a brother?
0: Uh, I do, but I was a softball player.
2: Well, there you go. Because he's touching his under eyes. And my sister's right here. She'll know what I'm talking about. Sinus cavity. No, not sinus. Well, it's your sinus cavity, but you had some allergies with the weeds in the field. But also you paint that black stuff under your eyes when you're playing a reflection. The, the, the reflection of the, the sun and everything when you're playing softball or baseball. I just assumed it was a boy in the family. Okay.
0: It was me, but I also um, broke his nose. And, and I remember that when I, I was a catcher, I had a cat catcher's gear on. And the bat hit me right here and it spit blood. And um, that is one of my memories where he was a really good dad.
2: Now, see, wasn't that sweet?
0: Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know if Ted's what you're talking about, but um, that is one of my memories of him being
3: a, a yeah, good
2: Yeah, so dude. he's cheering. And, and a lot of people go, Jeanette, I'm getting cold chills because these people are dead. They're cold. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, so it. Well, it,
0: and I—I think that I felt my dad in the middle of the night a couple times.
2: I'm given information. I'm delivering it to you, and so is your father. And he says he
1: has wonderful memories. Hey, Melissa, what kind of bras do you wear? Oh my gosh, I wear handful bras. Tell me why you love them so much. You talk about them all the time, and I just want to understand what is so great about them.
0: Well, I love them because they're comfortable. They are not constricting, so I can still like breathe and move around. And I like to do yoga too, and I like to stretch. And I do not like a bra that is just like sucking me in so that I'm so flat and can't breathe. I love the patterns. I love the different styles. Right now they have this really cute like teal color and they've done a couple patterns in it too. And they have this wavy one, which I can't even remember the name because they have absolutely adorable names for these things, but they have the adjustable bra, which is their classic. They have the closer bra, which is great for people like you that have a little more than a handful. It's got the two little hooks and then it zips up. And my favorite, um, pattern right now is the ripple effect is what it's called. And then I love the double down, which is a really cute new style that they have. And I love their leggings because I think they made them for me because they're so long. And they have a cute camo legging that I wear all the time.
1: I have those too. Brandy gave me a pair. Oh my gosh. I I love it. I have like a bunch of handful bras. I could not find them. And I found them in my daughter's room. She wears them all the time and they are so cute. She almost could wear them as swimming suits in fact i think she does like she'll sunbathe yep. in them because they are so cute and i love when she wears like her tank tops but you can see the bra strap kind of through it because if they have the really cool crisscross and different designs you can adjust them however you want and uh, i just think they're very flattering
0: yeah and you got your first one How, how's your first
1: one I love it. No, I I had them in the past. And then, you know, for me, I needed a little bit more. And then they came out with this new one with the extra zip in it. And it really makes a big difference. And I love that it, it actually gives you two, not just one. And that's always been a problem in the past. You just get this like one mono boob. I actually still have two when I wear this new design that you had given me. So thank you, Melissa.
0: You're so welcome. Well, we do still have a handful code as I recall. We still do? I think so. If not, we'll That's get it That's like
1: up, 20% David. off. Why aren't people buying these off the shelf? I don't know. I don't know. They should well, be. What is that code? Melissa, that, tell me. That code is Salon Sleuths. Gosh, you're putting me on the spot now, Leslie. I think it's just Salon Sleuths. If you yeah. go to the coupon code, it's just Salon Sleuths. Like, yeah.
0: yeah. But but you have to spell sleuths right.
1: Yes. <laughs> And I'm part of this podcast and I spelled it wrong when I made your first tank top. It did not. I was thought that was so stupid of me, but how do you spell it, Melissa? You spell it
0: S-A-L-O-N-S-L-E-U-T-H-S. Go to handful.com. Check them out. You'll be a fan for life.
1: It's not too late to sign up for our Suzanne Jockis show. Find the link on our Facebook page.